0: In the year 2017, two complete strangers with flex time on their hands meet at a Simpsons trivia night outside of Boston. Together with their powers, they created the Frosted Side Podcast. Their mission... These two hosts join forces with the guest to review an episode of their favorite cartoon, as well as a cereal chosen by the guests themselves, and eat it on air. Radical! Your mission as listener is simple. Okay. Don't touch that dial. Grab a seat in front of the TV, but not too close. And don't pick at the marshmallows, because here comes the frosted side, with the Daves, Dave Morrison and Dave Lindquist.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Frosted Side. Hey, Dave.
0: Hello! Salaam alaikum! And welcome! Marhaba! And why am I speaking in my native Arabic tongue? I have no idea. But welcome back. It's been way too damn long, Dave Lindquist.
1: Seriously, man. Oh, it's been a while. The world got crazy. Well, I mean, the world's been crazy for a while, but... No,
0: it really has been a shitty time in our country and uh, so many things have gone on in our lives and uh, hopefully you guys are still (laughs) staying safe and uh, uh, vaccinated and still wearing masks, unfortunately, but thank you for joining and uh, we'll take you a little bit of the escape route right here on the frosted side.
2: Wait, what's a vaccine?
0: That's right. It's It's basically just a selling point. To sell people vaccines for diseases that people don't have had, that aren't going. To I get, had the
2: so. I, I had the goddamn disease. Uh, that's a quote. Oh, no.
0: It's a takeoff of a <laughs> quote. <laughs> it's a CIA plot. Yep, five- Yeah,
2: it's it's a CIA plot, which would you know? Oh. That, that goes. That, that's a nice intro into the movie we're talking about
1: today. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of intros, that thir- that that third voice you're hearing there. Yeah. So the, speaking of intros, that third voice you're hearing there is, I think, only our second ever uh repeating guest here, uh Mike Edu. Yeah, Dude. I'm honored. Welcome back. Hi. Yeah.
2: Hi, Dave. Dave, it's been a fantastic fantasy foot fantasy baseball season with you. I'm currently in the meat of in the midst of blowing blowing the hell out of a massive, massive weed like uh, you know, uh like the Gold State Warriors from a couple of years ago. And, you know, I've just been looking at Living out here in the burbs and enjoying life with the dogs, and you know, ready to talk about a, a uh, just a tremendous, just a tremendous slice of a tremendous nugget of nineteen nineties American strange indie b-movie action it, it's,
1: it's great because we're definitely breaking format here because it's neither a cartoon nor a serial mm. but i think dave and i probably both saw your facebook oh post about this movie and you know dave and i met at the simpsons trivia night and the fact that there's like a mm-hmm. movie out there called McBain, and then like christopher walken as the star and i mean mike you're a bit you're a big like action movie guy in general you'd say right mm-hmm.
2: Oh, yeah, completely. It's my favorite genre. It's, uh, you know, just growing up, my father took me to two movies a week, usually, and whatever he wanted to see, it, it was it, I was there, and it was usually in the second renaissance of action movies, and, and from the 1990s on, from the mid-90s on, you know, the Face-Off, Con Air, uh, you know, The Rock, that second renaissance of movies. Um, so, I, I consider myself a, a true fan of the genre
1: this is this, and this movie uh, we're, we're talking about McBain the 1991 movie starring Christopher Walken. this movie is is kind of like the perfect in between right like it's it's like not quite those 80s action movies I, but it definitely doesn't feel quite 90s so.
2: I I have to disagree yeah? with that I I think this is one of the most 1980s movies I've ever seen, even though okay. it was set yeah. in 1990. It was released in 1991. And I, I think, you know, just to start off and summarize my feelings on the movie, I don't, it wasn't a very good movie. Obviously, it's terrible, it's a bad movie. But I did find it incredibly interesting for a lot of specific reasons, which I'm sure we're going to go into. You know, beyond the fact that The Simpsons basically took the name of this, or, er, it existed before the Simpsons and apparently this came out beyond the fact that it was used for this kind of hilarious recurring character in the Simpsons. And it's become this kind of, you know, urban urban legend thing around a bit. I found that there was so, so much interesting political wise about this movie and there's so much, so many different things to be taken from it in, in terms of like, even going back to like American American intervention in the in the in the Central Ameri- in Central American nations, and you know Reaganism and that strange you know mix, it's it's. I thought it was really fascinating, and, and also kind of a terrible movie. And even when you dig a little bit under the surface and you read about the people that that made it, it gets it gets even more interesting. So I did some research, and I'm, I'm I i can not wait to talk about it because the director and everything behind it is it's like there's some really interesting stuff there. The, the director of this movie, I don't know if anybody looked up his IMDb page, but it was a man named James Glickenhaus. And if you scratch the surface on it a little bit, um, you'll find out that he is the son of a very esteemed Wall Street stockbroker uh, who made millions, one of the richest men on Wall Street. And he was the money behind all of this guy's schlocky 80s action movies. Now, when I looked up his IMDb, like my jaw fell. And I'll give you, so I'll, I'll back up a little bit. One of my favorite podcasts out there as a committed lefty and as very cynical lefty as I am is Chapo Trap House, which I don't know if you've ever heard of, but it's the, very, very, it's the most successful Patreon tra- uh, um, podcast out there. They get like million bucks a month, something crazy like that. But very left-wing, uh, but very funny too. So a while ago, I was listening to the podcast and they were talking about this movie called The Soldier in, the ni- in early 1980s. And this, this movie called The Soldier starred this guy named Ken Wall, who was on the show Wise Guy in the 80s, kind of a, like, an, like a shooting star from the I 80s. I
0: have heard of that. Yeah.
2: Um, yeah. Yeah, it was about this kind of crazy Cold War movie where this guy teams up with the Israelis, and he's this, like, secret American commando. And he teams up with the Israelis to go stop them from blowing up the Arab oil fields and starting the war that way. It's, just, it's kind of a paranoid right-wing 80s conspiracy movie, like, schlocky thing. But they were talking about it on one of their podcasts, where apparently the financing for this movie was like a front. Was also the CIA was funneling and funding part part of this movie. This is like in the eighties. You know, there were all these coke, like a lot of these movies were financed by, you know, Globus, which were gun- which were Israeli arms dealers, basically, and a lot of cocaine and everything. And there was a lot of illicit money flowing into the industry in the eighties. And apparently, that this guy's first movie, The Soldier which hits on a lot of these themes, was financed by this kind of crazy CIA drug money cartel in the early 80s, too. So it all starts out in like this guy's career basically starts out with like a mixture of like old rich guy banker money and like dark money from the CIA, who were probably also financing, you know, drugs going into Los Angeles at the same time. So you, could, you can't get a more 80s start to a career than like two of the biggest places for the decade that this guy started out at. Wow.
1: Yeah, I, I looked him up on um, on Wikipedia and it looked like he also had like a Ferrari collection or something. It was very like, like dad's money kind of thing.
2: So I have to read Definitely. this too as well. Um, Michael Ironside, who stars in this movie, uh, did a, one of those Onion AV random roles in about five years ago, and they asked him about this movie. So I'm going to read this verbatim, if you'll it, please. Please, yes. (laughs) McBain, 1991, his name is Frank Bruce. Michael Ironside, oh God, that's a joke to everybody, even to The Simpsons, it's their favorite movie. You know, in all truth, that was a filmmaker who was being backed by his father who had a ton of money and just pissed it up against the wall. I remember it was a fairly good story to start off with, which was about ex-vets having to get rid of their shame of being survivors, I think. You know, when their friends are lost. And by the time we got to it, they had rewritten the script from an A- minus to a C- minus script. God, I have nothing good to say about that film. Absolutely nothing. Other than the (laughs) filmmaker, thank God, will never make films again. He ended up going back to restoring racing cars on his father's shit. And you could put that all in there. I don't say anything in interviews I wouldn't say to somebody's face. So... There you have Ooh, it. Michael Ironsides. Ironside's feelings about this piece of shit. Movie.
0: Well, you can't blame a guy who is otherwise known as Richter from Total Recall.
2: I disagree. I think his I think his I think his greatest role was either the guy who gets his head blown up in scanners. I think that was him. Oh he okay. makes the guy's head blow up in yeah. scanners. Or as uh Mr. Ratchak in Starship Troopers, truly oh, one yeah. of the great movies of all. Time. Hmm.
1: That's one. That's one that, like, when I revisited it because I, I watched Starship Troopers when it came out. I think I was in junior high at the well, time. You're just like, oh, it for the cool! You're this just, is and like you're just singing just... it for the
2: tits at the time, right? Yeah. Well,
1: <laughs> and explosions and like the the uh, the the blur song number two in the oh, trailer yeah. yeah. was just yeah. like, but just like completely missed like all, all, all the like subtlety to it and like the satire and like it's. The, yeah, the, up there up there with Robocop as far as that oh, like, violent sci-fi the, satire for him.
2: Um, Starship Troopers had the, the single greatest piece of film criticism I've ever read came from uh, Owen Gleiberman of Entertainment Weekly. When he went back uh-huh. and talked about Starship Troopers, and he said that it was like what Star Wars would look like if Germany had won World War II. Uh-huh. Which is uh-huh. the most accurate thing I've ever read about uh-huh. anything in my life. Yeah.
0: And we're going back to the Simpsons reference from the Simpsons Halloween 9, I believe, 9 or 10. It was Starship Poopers. Uh, it was yes, with uh, Kane and Kodos and Jerry Springer. Uh, made an uh, <laughs> yes. appearance in that little short. So. Yeah.
1: so so because we've touched on it a few times, I've been trying to figure out if this movie uh, predated the Simpsons character. or It another. did not. It looks like it looks like he was uh, nineteen ninety, and this was ninety one. Um, and uh, do I, I'm sure you're uh, probably familiar with? Um, remember, there was a Gary Busey movie, Bulletproof.
2: I do not know that like one. Bulletproof uh, or so, I, that so he he, totally he, he
1: played a character in that named named uh, named like. Frank Chuck no Frank Frank McBain so there was a McBain in film like a couple years before that so
2: they Uh, probably got it from somewhere yeah you know or it just you know parallel thinking or something
0: well the Wikipedia page says that the Simpsons character predated the McBain movie it says it right right here it was uh, McBain was originally the name of the action movie character on the Simpsons played by uh, an allegory or analog of arnold schwarzenegger his appearance on the simpsons predates the release of the film McBain, and apart from the name of the film though it has very little relation to the character and nonetheless the producers of the movie refused to give 20th century fox and mac product mac Raining's production team clarence to use the name McBain in order to continue using the character the character resorted to using the name of the actor portraying McBain, which would be Rainier Wolfcastle. So, Which is a good point, because (laughs) after a while, they stopped using McBain. It was just Rainier Wolfcastle. And uh, it would come up a few times every now and then in later seasons, seasons five and six. But it really was, I think, last used in maybe uh, A Fish Called Selma, uh, when Troy McClure was rumored to be uh, joining the McBain. Uh, Bane franchise. But that's about it. That'd be and there was no reason right why, why uh they stopped using it, but now we kinda know. This is a shit movie. You know I I'm, saw
1: I, I saw some speculation that they're claiming that the name came from um from uh Die Hard, like a, a John off McLean, off of a, like John McLean, McLean, McBain yeah. kind of thing. But
2: you know, just just out of curiosity, I looked up that Gary Busey movie, the Frank Bulletproof Bulletproof McMahon. Yeah. Uh, it also stars the bad guy from the Steven Seagal movie Above the Law, as well as the love interest from the uh, the great 1980s movie uh, To Live and Die in L.A. with Willem Dafoe and William L. Peterson. Those are the two other stars in it. So truly an 80s all star cast that I think I'm going to have to see. Uh, and also, yeah. I,
1: I, I was, I think I was combining it with the, um, was it Damon Wayans Damon and Adam Wayans Sandler and Adam had a movie yes. with that? Yeah. Okay. Oh,
0: yeah. Oh, is that, oh, that from anyways. 1996? Cause I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, yeah. yeah. it was mid nineties where Adam Sandler's like, you'll always be my bodyguard. Okay. Yep. Oh God. It takes me back. So can we
2: talk about just how this movie starts for one second? Cause I'd really love to oh, okay. before we get in the themes, but how like, all right. I love Dire Straits. It's one of my favorite band. I love Dire Straits as a guitar player. I, I you know, I, I honestly, Mark Knopfler, one of my favorite guitar players, love Dire Straits. The the song "Brothers in Arms" is a great song. It's one of their best, and even a cover is way too good for this movie to start off with.
1: <laughs> it was it like didn't seem to fit. Yeah, we uh, we actually. Uh... Uh, danced to uh, my first dance at my wedding was the uh, Romeo and Juliet Dire Straits song.
2: Okay, Dave, I do have to question which we, what, I do have to question your your selection there.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, it's you, way you too long too.
2: And also, you do know what happens to Romeo and Juliet.
0: Yeah, yeah, we yeah yeah okay yeah. So you're the first. Okay. So I Mike, I, think, Mike I, I have to interject here, Dave Morrison. So sure. you're the first person under forty that is one of the mm. biggest dire straits fan out there. And at least in any universe, not just the frosted side universe, but I've never met anybody uh, who says that they're a huge wanted. Mark Knopfler fan. And right here in Massachusetts, it's very impressive. Very, very, very impressed that somebody who is, is an actual dire straits fan. And my hope is that one day oh, so. Knopfler and David Knopfler pick weathers and John Osley will be, bury the hatchet
2: well clearly i know another dire Straits fan. uh yeah i have always <laughs> I, I i always really I just, loved I just have too much get, time on my yeah. i always really love the way uh, mark Knopfler play guitar and you know uh, you know the whole not using a pick thing even though he does apparently be used something and just the way he plays and the, the rhythm and the notes he plays and you know just like the I always thought that as growing up, I always thought the intro to money for nothing was the way coolest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Yeah, I'd still love to play that. And the fact that brothers in arms, which, you know, has been used in so many other better movies and better TV shows. I'm thinking of the last episode of, I think of season two of the West wing when, you know, uh, I forget which I forget what exactly was going on. I think it was the, after Mrs. Van Landingham dies, but, they use that to a great the great extent it's been in tons of other things and i just it, even though it's a cover it definitely belongs to a better class of you know it, it's kind of like how i don't know empire records has that great soundtrack for such a shitty movie you know what i mean or oh, yeah. you know just the 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 this, when it's when it's, with it just,
1: Ro- it's romeo and juliet from with uh... romeo and juliet it's probably <laughs> got that from it So I I just the the
2: fact that it starts out like that, which is such a it it probably should be used for a Vietnam War movie in some part. I mean it would very would would fit well, but just anything but this piece of shit.
1: So that intro, I I mean I, I It starts showing you, like, what's going to be happening with the movie from there on out Mm -hmm. in that, like, whoa, okay, so, like, this is legit. They had the, like, budget to spend on, like, filming this actual helicopter Mm -hmm. flying over, but then you cut to them talking in the helicopter, and it's this, like, obvious green screen and, like, some of the worst overacting I've, like, ever seen. I'm like, this is, like, the contrast is there at the start. Like, okay, they have a budget, but they don't know how to do this.
2: The whole movie is a montage of a lot of different 80s tropes, and which is why I, this movie should have been from like 85 or 86, but there's it's bits and pieces from so many other movies that are so much better. I just took a look, list of them, just missing an action, Deer Hunter, Uncommon Valor, which is a totally underrated movie with Patrick Swayze and Gene Hackman, which is about rescuing POWs from World War, from the Vietnam prison camps. You know, Rambo 2. Um, and that's just the Vietnam things that are in the beginning of it, right? And, you know, before we even get to the things. And then when it talks about the, the narco state and, and you know, this 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 trope of, uh, you know, using them as the bad guy terrorists this stand in for Pablo Escobar or, or, you know, anything profiled in the TV show Narco. I mean, <laughs> they actually how, call how, him Escobar. Yeah, think, I mean, think of how many movies we saw in the 80s and, you know, I guess early 90s that Use this kind of stock South American, Central American, you know, mm-hmm. narco state as as the avatar for you know as the bad as the the, the other the bad guys. I mean, uh, Die Hard Two, Commando, uh, you know, the first couple seasons of Miami Vice, Above the Law, you know, all those movies using this just you know using this the the U.S. versus the bad guy drug dealers, uh, very superficial and in retrospect you know god there's so many other factors that can i say all the it? it's racist about this oh god completely oh yeah oh,
1: in a few different ways I mean,
2: yeah. yeah it looks yeah jesus christ I mean, there were four white guys and they they take over five white guys in like corporate casual clothes and they fucking take over the entire country you know like talk about a white savior complex i mean looks there's I, I guess it's an American saver Cause yeah, they did. They did. It was a black guy on there on um, the, the crew. Real, Oh yeah. Real diverse. But I mean, God, just this, like the politics of this are just so fucked up. I mean, think about this. This is, these are, these are a Colombian, this is a Colombian like a Colombian politics. And they're relying on, you know, the four or five American mercenaries to take over their country. You know, to to restore order from like this narco guy, this narco guy who is selling coke presumably to a bunch of businessmen in you know New York City and and Miami in the 1980s. So, like, that's it's just crazy. You know, it, it's when you really step back and think about it, in a, from a political, a political and socioeconomic thing, it's 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 like a hilarious right wing fantasy, Frank. Come true. So
1: so. I I, I want to interject here, and I'm jumping way ahead in the movie, but I'm assuming people who are listening to this have heard the movie, um, and I just want to jump in on that Louise Guzman scene. Can we get to the
0: Louise Guzman? Because for anybody who's kind of an aficionado of B characters, of actors, you don't know their name, but you know their face, and Louise Guzman, I think, is the poster child for that. Uh, He's kind of like a a B-level Danny Trejo, but except he's like the the Puerto Rican or Mexican drug dealer in just about every B-movie out there. Uh, He was Mm -hmm. uh, one of the gang leaders I know in The Substitute with Tom Behringer, and he was on Law & Order in the first couple of seasons in an episode playing uh, a crackhead in uh, Spanish Harlem, and uh, he's in McBain as... uh,
2: and, you, and, and then later in his career, he was actually, you know, one of those guys that kind of circled back around. Not later in his career, but, you know, he had a kind of a prominent role in Boogie Nights. He had a really nice role in Traffic, actually, as a, as a detective. So he kind of circled all the way back around to actually being a guy. And I believe in the the, the, uh, the his highest profile role, I think, like almost an above-the-fold role was in the Count of, of Monte Cristo remake, which is actually very good. And from like 2000 or 2001, he's in there with Jim Caviezel and Guy and Guy Pierce uh, as playing the sidekick to. I think it's Jim Caviezel who turns out to be the good guy in that one. Um, but yeah, he's a it's interesting character actor in that, uh, and the fact that he, you know, says, "Hey guys, I'm not the problem. Go rob the mo- go rob go rob the mafia." Is just a crazy, crazy plot twist. Which I don't know if you want to talk about that now or later. But well, they uh, so, they're. they're, so, they're, yeah. they're their scheme to get financed, their scheme to get financed by the finance the mission by first robbing the drug dealers who tells them to rob the mafia and then posing as Jews to rob the mafia, is really just a just a trim. You got to thread a pretty big ass needle in order to get to get to that point.
1: It, it felt like he must have forced a little bit of that speech. Like, in that he was like, hey, you didn't need to kill everybody here. I was yeah. giving these guys jobs. I don't sell the kids. You <laughs> see those scumbags outside. Yeah. Those are the people I sell to. Like, like I feel like maybe like what Ironsides was saying, there was a piece of a smarter script in there that snuck through. But, like, I'm like it was just jarring. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of a coherent point. And then he, like, you know, mentions whatever, like, fake mobster name that's like the stand-in for God or whatever, and Uh, then boom, uh, they're off to, like, rob the mobsters. I'm like, oh, I wasn't expecting that to happen,
2: (laughs) but... You know, uh, something else I want to talk about, too, I don't know if it was earlier, it's a little bit earlier in this movie, but you know... When Maria Ciccino Chik- Alonso, who uh, I don't know if you looked up, looked her up, but she's got some interesting right wing politics as well. Wait, when wait, hold up. Talking
0: to Chris- she's right wing. She looked like she was kind of liberal, though I didn't really read through her views. It said yeah, she was, she was into know, LBG, well, LGBTQ rights. Uh, she is, but, in, but politically, she's kind
2: of one of those. Uh, she's a supporter of, uh, you know, real big supporter, uh, anti Castro person, one of those. Um, you
1: know, oh, she's she's from Cuba originally. She was right? born in Cuba,
2: but raised in Venezuela. So yeah, so it's interesting politics that wouldn't wouldn't align basically with a lot of the you know the the, the current a lot of what what what's currently accepted about Americans' role and in intervention in in that sort of certain region. I'll put it that way. So when she's talking with Christopher Walken at the diner, there's something I wrote down because I found it really interesting when she's explaining how. What the idyllic paradise of Colombia was before uh, Victor Argo, as uh, uh, what was his name, took it over as the bad guy, General El Presidente. Presidente. Um, El Presidente. When she was explaining how, uh, yeah, before then, the rich people had to trickle down. They tri- They trickled the money down from where they were all the way down there. I was like, holy shit! You can't like, yeah. Did, did yeah. you know? Did one of? Did one of fucking Reagan's goons write this thing was it like one of the the guys like getting him in the script i'm like oh my god you can't get any more crazy than this than like the idyllic idea of a trickle-down economics being being disrupted by this thing and then the americans have to go over and take it take it away i was like wow that's really blatant right there and also then the next the next thing is about talking about the weird side of the bad side of woodstock it's like where the fuck did that come from? Like what a strange, what a strange wine. And also, what was the bad side of Woodstock? That you know, hippies got stoned
0: and listen to music. Ooh, listen to Jimi Hendrix. They were they should have been there it's for Sha Na There's a whole another batch of kind
1: of like weird racist stuff and eighties tropes and the the uh, initial like Vietnam like flashback kind of entry scene. And it it's kind of doing. Um, Almost like like those like. Eight, I believe this came out the same year as the first Hot Shots? Like this was already being lampooned at the same time as this. But uh, yeah, but but just like the heads on pikes and stuff, and uh, you you get like like a kung fu scene all, in there. Type
2: of a thing. Well, and the other funny thing is the you know when they're I don't know if you've ever seen the Deer Hunter, but there's a scene in the Deer Hunter with Christopher Walken, you know, the movie he won his Oscar for, in which. You know, he's he's almost drowned, trapped in one of those, like, things in the water uh, right there. It's him and, I believe it's De Niro or John Savage, one of them. It's been a while since I've seen The Deer Hunter. But there's a scene where he's, like, trapped in one of those things that they very blatantly show in that movie. And it's just like, it, it's it's like, yeah, the, 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 I, I yeah. mean, I think we forget now how big that POW movement the Vietnam POW thing kind of sunk at the culture in the early nineties. Remember, remember the flag was everywhere and Ross Perot had that mission to try to get them out. And there was always these drives and everything. So especially around the Gulf war, which was, you know, would have been the end of this year, right. 1991, there was all this, that's kind of resurgence and patriotism and kind of this, you know, look back at the Vietnam war as kind of this, you know, oh we, should, we really, we didn't appreciate the people that came back this time. You know, we have to make sure we treat them, treat soldiers right and, you know, go cheer them at the airports when they come home this time around. So, you know, I I wonder if this was
0: part of Well, that you said it best. Well, when Reagan came into power in the 80s, I think Americans wanted to feel good about themselves again. And there was just a love of America that I think most Americans still kind of have that hangover for to this day, even though a lot of people are kind of going back to the way it was maybe around the time of the vietnam war where people were stomping on the flag and uh turning it upside down but in the 80s and early 90s it kind of had we kind of had this love of everything usa usa and it, it really showed in the mid 80s especially after the 84 olympics in los angeles and there was just a, 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 an america that felt good about its country again and uh, even though reagan wasn't the smartest person I think a lot of us can agree that he probably wasn't the best president. He made a lot of people feel strong, even though he, he fucked up our country and other countries in so many ways that we're dealing with it now. But he made America feel like itself again. You know, That's when God Bless the USA came <laughs> out in 84.
2: You know, something else I forgot to mention, too, about this, this movie with Christopher Walkett is... It's very strange, but there is a there is a movie from the early eighties that he did, which has got almost kind of the same plot, and it's called The Dogs of War with Tom Berenger from better than The Substitute, I believe, which is a much better movie than this. It, it's kind of it's actually pretty good. It's based off a of Frederick Forsyth book, but it's about better than The Substitute, even better. Not as good as Platoon, but better than The Substitute in the great Tom Berenger canon. But there's a movie. This movie is from I think eighty one or eighty two. But it's uh, it's it's basically Tom Berenger and Christopher Walken getting paid to take over an African country, uh, you know, one of those generic African you know dictatorships from the eighties that are just you know kind of kind of always in chaos. But in this movie, it, it's kind of flipped because Walken and uh, Walken kind of turns on the guys that are paying him and ends up like giving the I think at the end giving the country back to the rightful people or whatever something like this. It's I mostly remember it because there's a torture scene in which Christopher Walken puts a piece of glass in a guy's mouth and just slaps him with it. And it's kinda of horrifying, but it's really good.
1: One thing I wanted to get into here was um just like Walken's character, like the titular character, McBain, like there's so little to him. Like when we're first introduced to him, like in the cage, he's basically like presented as like I don't know David Carradine in Kung Fu or something like that. He's got this like weird kind of calm demeanor, and he's like being been put put into some sort of like you know cage fight kind of thing. These guys come and rescue him, and then um, we get the. By the way, it's never the, identified that
2: the, apparently they're on they're an army ranger unit, but it's never. I don't think it's ever specifically identified in the in the. The film, but I read in the synopsis apparently they were Army Rangers, which explains their specialties. Okay, yeah, yeah, that
1: definitely like is why they're able to essentially take out an entire like Viet Cong village type thing, right? Uh, Yeah. so, So we we get the the scene where I think Roberto is his name like rips rips the bill and says, "If you ever see the other half of this bill, you know you can you can pay me back." or at, at that point when when you see this and besides that being the motivating factor for McMain, like what is this guy's personality he seems like he's stayed by the use with all these people who's, who've rescued him and we get like I'm, I'm jumping around here but the the scene of like assembling the gang to kind of like put the plan together and take it down. Like in in the movie made now, this would be a two minute montage set to music. Like it would be done really fun. Like your oceans 11 type things. And it's what, like 20, 25 minutes. So just kind
0: of like getting, Oh, I wouldn't even put it on the same level as oceans 11. And I thought that was a bad remake and I'm vastly in the minority on oceans 11, 12 and whatever they put out after that but you can't even it but compared to McBain oceans 11 oh, I, and 12 fucking masterpiece
2: oh well here's the thing I, I think that if we're talking about putting the putting together a scene montage, Uh, Nobody ever did it better or funnier than the five minutes in MacGruber, which talked about that, which I don't know if you've seen it, but it's probably one of my my five favorite movies of all time.
0: They're bringing that to TV. They're bringing that to Peacock. I I, I read the other day (laughs) because if Lauren Michaels didn't get the message in 2010 when he put that movie out um, in theaters, he's certainly not learned this time. It's
2: one of the funniest movies I've ever seen in my life, and I, I mean, I. But when we're talking about the putting together scene montage, the funniest thing about that as McBain, you know, uh, slowly gets together the team that he will take over the, the the world with, or the sorry, this, uh, you know, substantially sized Amer- uh, South African South, sorry South American country with you know four uh, three white guys, one black guy. Of course, that's all you need. Um, when he's putting that together, it's also. An opportunity to squeeze in another for another reference to another '80s movie, which there's somehow like a, a callback to Wall Street. That scene at Wall Street, when uh, all the all the people are yelling at the uh, at the at oh, the board yeah. meeting, you know, that's a clear reference to the scene in Wall Street where Michael Douglas goes, "Does the greed is good thing?" Right? Okay. There. But yeah, and it's just like okay, well, he's just he's just. Grabbing thing, other things from '80s movies, just tossing. Sure. Them. But then one of the one of those security guys is like, "Yeah, that CEO is the scumbag," and you're you're that they're all the good guys in there. Just it's just it was a, a very strange callback. It's like, what the fuck is this? Why the hell are they going to this random corporate '80s thing? And oh yeah, it's because the show the guy is like actually a friend of the people too, and not of the companies. Yeah, another another strange callback to the '80s films there too.
1: I like the uh I like all the scenes with the, the president. Like they clearly like could not put together Clearly a
2: Democrat, by the way. <laughs> clearly a Democrat.
1: They could not put together like a clearly decent clearly like... A
2: Democrat written by a Reagan Republican. Yeah. There's <laughs> no
1: like White House set or anything. He's out like a fishing cabin. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and how many times have we seen that in movies in which the president's fishing somewhere and they got to interrupt them? I feel like that's a trope
0: that's also been out yeah, there. Yeah,
1: I'm trying for to think of a decent example, but it's, it's definitely a thing. Like, oh, this is my vacation.
0: I can. Simpson. <laughs> of course. Simpson, Simpson, Gang, Citizen Kang. <laughs> yeah, of course. Where Homer's out fishing and then Kodos and Kang and then President Clinton <laughs> and Bob Dole. They beam beam his ass up to space. <laughs> when he's out on the lake fishing, oh yeah.
2: Yeah. Also, also what, what? How is Michael Ironside supposed to have made his money? Was he an arms dealer or something? Yeah, they don't touch on it, do they? Like he's got that. No, I mean maybe the people did. People just give Michael Ironside money because I probably would. I'm just guessing. I mean, he had that ponytail <laughs> as well, so maybe that just that just wanted.
0: To... He did.
1: That character. These like not quite fleshed out characters. I love well, there's so many of them in it. Like like the the pilot yeah, who they, just joins them. <laughs> like the fighter pilot who they just call yeah, it. Like, oh yeah. By serendipity. Like, hey, we, we we need to have like another 20 minute top gun segment here because that, that movie was big.
2: So oh, how yeah. do we get a fighter no, pilot? I I, I, I I would like to talk touch on that because the like that that action combat sequence made Iron Eagle look like the end of Dunkirk. <laughs> oh my God! Jesus Christ! Like I know, and I know this is right around that time where all the Top Gun—they're still making Top Gun knockoffs.
1: Wait, is that Iron year, Eagle I that Lewis Gossett Junior one? Am I mixing that? Okay, okay yeah. 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 Iron the first—you
2: know, you know what—the first Iron Eagle is actually a pretty good movie. I will defend Iron Eagle to the day I die. It's not bad, Chappy Sinclair. It's it's a it's a poor man's Top Gun, it's probably even like a homeless man's Top Gun, but you know a homeless man's Top Gun is still pretty good and they made like four sequels and you know, they're all fucking terrible too but you remember too, in the early 90s, they also made Top Gun with helicopters and it was called Firebirds, starring Tommy Lee Jones and Nicolas Cage, which is a fucking fantastic movie I have
1: zero memory of this. Not, you,
2: <laughs> Dave, oh god, if you guys ever ask me crime. Not know. By the way, another, another movie in which the Americans go and uh, use helicopters to take over a narco state. I'm just remembering this. I wonder if it's it's com- coming out right around that same time. But it's literally, so listen to this cast. It's uh, Nicolas Cage and Tommy Lee Jones and also Doc, uh-huh. Boy, Doc Boy, John Boy from the Waltons, <laughs> Lauren, uh, Henry Thomas. Um, they all team up together Along with what? Sean Young as the very, as the very first female Apache pilot, and they use these kick-ass Apaches to go fucking take down some drug lords and shoot down some planes in the early 1990s. Nice. I swear to God, this movie exists, and it's awesomely terrible at the at the, the same time. But if you ever want to see Nicolas Cage and Doc Boy from The Waltons shoot down some narco terrorists and then have Tommy the like Jones like a fever dream instruct Sean Young how to shoot down a plane. Using a Stinger missile after they had crashed—it's fucking fantastic. And I can't believe you guys look so. I mean, you're both older than me. You never uh, have any memories of this.
1: Zero, like uh, the, the title. The title. No, but I a got to
0: backtrack again. because you said John Boy Walton isn't this. Okay, I am going I know. through. I am right after we get off the mic. He is also in the American. You remember he was in the. Amer- he's,
2: he's in the Americans as the uh, the the FBI boss for the first couple of seasons, I think. But yeah, it's funny. I, I'm just making this connection now. But Firebirds actually has a lot of the same politics in this. Oh, just, let's just use this 80s narco state as our bad guy country and have the Americans invade, like you know, Granada, Panama, one of those things. It's
0: and, it's and when did this come out? God, I think it was
2: 91 or 92. I don't think I saw it in theaters, but I know I had it on VHS. Um, let me look this up really quickly as I go on IMDb. Of course, the first thing it finds comes up is Fire Alrighty. Steakhouse and Grill uh, from, two, from in Charlotte, North Carolina. But let's look at the other one. Fire uh-huh. was from 1990 with Nicolas Cage, Tommy Lee Jones, Sean Young, and Henry Thomas. Yeah.
1: Wait. Oh, Hen- Sean Young. Henry what Thomas. What a tragic is figure! Isn't that the kid from ET?
2: Richard oh, you're Thomas? right. Uh, yeah, is I, that
1: a name? No, you're. I might be wrong. Maybe there are two Henry Thomases.
2: Thomas. Fuck, I'm thinking of somebody else. I forget who is. I forget who's in it, but it's definitely one of the guys with the Waltons is in it. But the politics All of that right. movie are, you know, eerily similar to this one.
1: So I'm gonna. Look I'm... it up.
2: Or... I'm just looking up young.
1: Oh, that's a that's a whole deep dive in and of itself. <laughs> she she was a holy shit, you the whole movie on
2: her. Yeah, but one of the interest most interesting uh, 80s movie career movie careers. And also one of the most beautiful oh, yeah. women of the time, too. So I have
1: a question that I was mulling over during this that I wanted to pose to you guys. So like like you said, like uh Walken has an Academy Award. Um is Walken a good actor? Yes. I like
2: I, can't, yeah, I think I, can't what, decide. I, I think that he's a very I, mean, so, I think he's a very good actor. I just think he's kind of like Nicolas Cage, in which he just does everything and probably doesn't put in the effort for a lot of them.
1: There, there was definitely a while well, there I where mean, he was so, taking
2: anything,
0: right? Like he he would just take whatever.
2: I think that's he, what he yeah. does.
0: Well, here's the thing about Walken. There was a time when he tried to move away from his tough-guy kind of villainous roles. And he, for a while, of course, SNL in 2000, playing Bruce Dickinson on, in that SNL skit, i got to have more cowbell. And then, of course, in that uh, Fatboy Boy Slim video, Weapon of Choice, where he's dancing around the mall. Yeah. You guys know what I'm talking about. I think, unlike Nicolas Cage, where he's just popular for being... Nicholas Cage, Christopher Walken has kind of a little bit of that fam- family friendly vibe, whereas Nick Cage is always going to kind of be Nick Cage, where Walken is going to be a little more um, accepted by the mainstream, even though compared to acting ability, I would put Nick Cage in a whole other level. Christopher Walken's just, he does the Christopher Walken voice, the come close up.
2: And, and yet when he gets and yet when he gets the chance to really do something good you know there are a few guys that have this memorable appear i mean how many things can we can we did we know off the top of our head that are just monologues Christopher Walken there's the watch thing from there's the watch speech from pulp fiction obviously there's the you know the uh, i am the, I'm the antichrist speech from true romance there's just two monologues there two of the highlights of the films he won an Oscar. He got another Oscar nomination in 2000. Uh, I think it was 2001 for Catch Me If You Can, which he's tremendous in. He goes, you know, the two little mice scene from that one. He's been really great in a lot of things. But I think I think that, you know, uh, I think that he's,
0: he's one dimensional. He's
2: one dimensional. Yeah. But I think, you know, he's he's like a like a, you know, a, a reliever that can only do one thing, but does it very, very. He's like Mariano Rivera. He can do one thing. But the he can do it the really, really yeah. well.
1: Yeah, and I mean yeah. it. Even it even works in comedies, like uh, not necessarily the greatest movies, but like Wedding Crashers and, and Joe Dirt, do like oh, yeah. walking, doing his walk in thing, like
2: works in those movies. Even uh, even uh, it's a not it's actually not a terrible movie, but there's a movie called Blast from the Past in which he's with Brendan Fraser. Is that like unfrozen and, caveman uh,
1: kind of thing or something?
2: Kinda. It's when he plays like a paranoid '60s guy who lives in oh, a yeah, bomb shelter right. for years. But he's really friggin' good as like the father. I think Sissy Spacek plays his wife, but it's like pretty funny actually. But yeah, no, I think he's he's had a really interesting career. Um, but yeah, I, I think that he's just done a lot of crap, kind of like kind of like you know Nicolas Cage.
1: So I messaged you guys this before. Uh, I just wanted to call out the uh, early in the movie that one scene in a hospital where uh, one of the guys has been like basically blown up and they're doing this whole organ donation thing the random nurse in the room whose like voice just jumped out at me from well years of cartoon voice Mm -hmm. spotting here and there is definitely uh Constant Schulman, who played Patty mayonnaise on Doug, and I think she did like a, yeah, did a hey couple Doug. seasons of, of the New Black. It was just so jarring because it it was that voice exactly, and like yep. before you even see her, I'm like, wait, this does not fit here. But it was just kind of a funny little like, oh yeah, spotted that person scene this movie is definitely a mess but I feel like you have to give whoever they hire to do pyrotechnics some credits this is like one of the best uses of explosions I think I've ever seen in a movie like it's constant and they're all over I can't imagine how much money they must have spent on this
2: listen any movie in which there's a guard tower that blows up is probably watchable in some strange way you know I mean I think that Predator is the all time leader in this uh, followed closely by Commando but if you have a guard tower that blows up, you know, I'm in. If there is a guard tower that, you know, and if somebody, if there's a scene where somebody sneaks around and cut a guy, cuts a guy's throat, I'm also in. The, I don't give a shit what else happens in the rest of the movie, but I'm just in. I think you've got like, if those, those what, things happen. The, I'm fine.
1: the guard tower blows up maybe three times in this, right? They, so there, there's the one near the end with yeah. the guy with the, like, By the way,
2: not this, this is the, there is, there are so many terrible plans by, by people in this movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't I, listen. I I've never tried to stage a coup to take over a country, but I don't think having four guys, two of them strippers, with a couple of pistols is probably the best the best way to take over. You know, I mean, give them credit, they did it. But you know, and if you're not, if you you know what, you, you probably have a, you probably should have a better plan than rely on the United States to help you out right then and there.
0: It's a little naive, to say the least. Hey guys, guys, I, I got to cut in. Uh, did you know that Constant Shulman was in Fletch Lives? Oh, wow. Fletch Lives. You know, I've th- never seen you know, the they Fletch a 30s. 30s. They're coming out with a new one. I don't think Chevy Chase is in no. it though, <laughs> which I'm okay with.
2: Also, you know, just speaking of terrible plans to do to, to to you know get things done, I don't think that any of the mercenaries had. A, I mean, that's they are relying on a lot of different things in order to knock in order to 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 Get control of this company with about four or five guys. You know, I mean, they did it. Give them credit, but they, that's that's a that's a that's that's a. I I wouldn't trust that that model for knocking over a country to many other places.
1: And they're basically the team from Predator, right? <laughs> like, is is that yeah. what they are? Like, just the the set of skills. I. I and and it's funny because it's like kind of what i was getting at before with like the title character McBain, like who is he like ha- how does he have these skills like we-, we just know he's been in the cage you know he's a he's a steel worker like we we know one guy has money and we know he's a steel worker and that they were this you know elite ranger unions you got that but like I don't know. It just ends like, oh, yeah, I happen to know this like son of a buddy from Vietnam who's a fighter play pilot who happens to be a couple miles away from us right now, so we'll call him in.
2: Strange things. I think that's probably the worst torture I've ever seen. I don't think I'd ever give up any information if uh, Victor, when Victor Argo is, you know, punch-slapping the guy in there. Uh, you know, the, orig- the I think I wrote down that the initial uh, – fighting scene in the the cage match and the thunderdome there had more had like remember how there's that one scene in the godfather where michael or james Conn obviously misses a punch when he's beating up uh beating up uh what's his name um carlo when he's beating up carlo in the in like right outside the apartment and the uh right by the you know the fire hydrant when he obviously misses the punch i feel like that was every punch i saw that was that was thrown by the you know the the Vietnamese guy who was trying to kill Christopher Walken. I didn't see one punch even look like it connected, and it was just like that was really bad. But yeah, just very sloppy, just a very sloppy, you know, haphazard slapdick movie. But you know that really provided some strange insight into into what the into some American thinking of that era, I guess
0: an American savior thinking. Not to mention the fact that when you watch the riff tracks version that you can pull up easily online on your own time, it's Mike Nelson uh, from Mystery Science Theater 3000. And uh, he's doing the, the whole MS Mystery Science Theater 3000 commentary along with T Robot and Tom Servo, the voices for that. And uh, you, it's without the silhouettes of them in the theaters, uh, but you, you're still expecting them to just pop up like mm-hmm. on Comedy Central and Sci-Fi, and it was a lot, a lot better than the film itself. It's, I think, McBain was one of those films meant for parody and talking through completely. You know?
2: Completely, and I think that the one of the other things I would, one of my last points is just the fact that, uh, you know, using television as this grand thing to stream to the Colombian. People of the Grand People of Colombia to get them to go out and start taking over the country. Uh, hilarious in retrospect. I mean, how many? I mean, today I don't think anybody's watched anything. Uh, I don't. I doubt that it would be streamed live on American primetime television. Much like the execution of somebody probably wouldn't be streamed live on American news too. So yeah, just a couple no. of things that definitely don't age well. So uh,
1: I, I should point out that i also watched the riff tracks version of this and uh yeah i agree with david definitely added something to it um i guess would you guys recommend watching this movie i can't tell if it's like i'm a big so bad it's good guy and without those track behind it i can't tell if this was so bad it's good or if like without that commentary there like it was fun as a riff tracks version but i think like just watching this movie by itself like as a cautionary tale
2: no, it sucks. Hey so, guys, caution- sorry, I gotta jump off. I like got a little emergency, but it was awful of talk it was
0: awesome talking to
2: you guys. Yeah, it was great, Mike. Take it. care. Well, thanks so much.
1: Peace out. Good having you.
0: Hey, take care, Mike. Mike Nado, everybody who helped us review Mick Bain from nineteen ninety-one. Uh, Like we said, it starred Christopher Walken, Michael Ironside. I watched it with the riff tracks and even without the riff tracks, I I would say no, it does. It's not something that I would watch unless uh, I'm in some college course and I'm showing this to my class as a cautionary tale about what not to do if you're trying to make a movie.
1: Yeah, I, I I agree. It's not quite so bad. It's good. Like if you had like a bunch of friends sitting around making fun of it together, like something along those lines. You're doing like a themed like bad action movie night. You make a drinking game to it or something. Then maybe it's watchable. But otherwise, whew, it was a little rough. But uh... Uh,
0: but uh, uh, overall, I like the Rift Tracks version with uh, the MST Mystery Science Theater three thousand MST three K uh it added something it added an element of hilarity to a film that is for kept value at least maybe that's what they were trying to go for you know but no uh, it, it 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 almost seems too tongue-in-cheek that they would be going for something that you know horribly shitty for the sake of being shitty so bad it's good but you know To each their own. Watch it on your own time. McBain from 1991. They said they're going to come out with a Blu-ray version, but they never have so far. So if you like commentary through your films, watch the Riff Tracks version. Kick back and enjoy! (laughs) And uh, that's pretty much all I have to say. Um, I feel really bad for 20th Century Fox that they still can't use the name McBain even though that predated the film, but you know, I'm not a lawyer.
1: (laughs) I am. I'll withhold commentary. Oh, uh, you are. (laughs) So yeah, we, uh, Mike, we appreciate it. This was, uh, this was an entertaining pick. Um, definitely a break away from our format a little bit but uh man that's fun sometimes dave i i i enjoy the kind of breaking away and watching a movie a bit and you know there is that con- connection back to the simpsons with the name so we've got sort of the backdoor uh car- cartoon connection there but yeah th- this was a fun one and yeah, yeah thanks mike we appreciate it
0: and those <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>